What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. Very special guest in the show. We did talk about it a little bit yesterday. Give you a brief preview. We have Kev Masaraj on here, who is the host of the Operating Room Podcast. You guys can find him on Twitter at Rotosurgeon. Kev, thank you so much for joining us here today, man. Absolutely. Hey, great pronunciation. That's probably the best I've heard without like a pre kind of pre-discussion. So Joe, appreciate you having me. I listen to the operating room every now and again. And right before we started recording, I'll be completely honest. I did listen to it once or twice your intro just to make sure because it is a very unique name. I know I've probably never seen it before, but it is Armenian, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, full Armenian, just as Armenian as it gets. It means oiler of the olive, which I guess like one of my great, great, great grandparents was an olive oiler back in the day. So that's the origin. Aside from that, yeah, it's my name. It's what I go with. So yeah, again, thanks for having me. Very cool. Yeah, no, I have a couple of Armenian friends. So that is really cool. I did just do like a Google search because I was curious. I've never seen it, but it is. I don't think many people have probably seen my name either. So we're both in the Rico. same. I mean, is that Italian or what is that? Italian. Yeah, Italian on my dad's side. But uh, pretty unique, both of them, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, Master Regen, you don't really get uh, coming across, like, you know, walk past many Master Regens on the street, I'm going to say. No, no, absolutely not. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Just briefly introduce yourself to the audience here and anything that you've got currently in the works or stuff that will be upcoming uh, later on in the year? Yeah, it's, uh, I got the operating room. I haven't really recorded any podcasts in the last like two weeks or so just because I've been lazy and also like fantasy baseball seasons kind of in the middle of everything. It's, you know, there's only so much you can cover that's not already known. Most of it is like, you know, what we're going to discuss today, like closer, closer changes. Everything else is pretty much, you know, oh, who's hot, who's not. And you can only do so many podcasts on stuff like that. So, uh, I do have fantasy football discussions coming up. That's going to, you know, the operating room is going to shift towards fantasy football with July upcoming and writing wise i do put out my closer pieces every monday and thursday on uh the game day so somewhat similar to this so you see my closer rankings and just any updates so that's just basically what i have going but you know with fantasy football season coming just definitely you know follow me on twitter at rotosurgeon i got a bunch of uh you know opinions let's just say that are coming yeah absolutely you are definitely one of the faster growing twitter accounts that i've that i've seen recently over the last couple of weeks it seems every time i click on your profile there's an extra 100 or two followers with all those uh particular content creators that you call out every now and again for their work i and just to put a bit of context there you call out people who are a little bit disingenuous maybe with their content or they charge premium prices for not really premium services i I really appreciate you guys keeping or you keeping everybody honest in in this field we're in I mean, if you suck, you suck. It's just like, that's all I'm trying to get out there. Like, you know, you know, not that like, I know everything about someone based off of their Twitter, but like, if there's someone who's grifting out here and it's a little more obvious than it should be, I feel no qualms in calling them out because, you know, it just, you know, call a spade a spade at the end of the day. It just, you know, we know you're bullshitting everybody and. I mean, if no one else is going to do it, I take, I'm just like, I guess I'll do it. And that's just what's come about. And I get, that's the only reason my profile is going has nothing to do with fantasy at this point, which, you know, I get it. It's fine. But at the same time, you know, you would hope your content would be the reason, but it is what it is. And, you know, I have a very good community. Like you've obviously been a, a solid part of, you know, the people who talk to me almost every day and whatnot. So, you know, the people who've been around since like day one with like the fantasy stuff, they're really awesome. And people I just interact with on a day-to-day basis. So I'm very grateful for everybody in that kind of sphere. You know, I'm not going to have, you know, I'm not going to be calling someone out every week. It's just, it just, if it happens, it happens, you know? 
Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. You keep everybody on their toes a little bit, make sure we're putting out the best content so we don't end up in a quote tweet on the profile. But uh, I'm no. not the police. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to call out every shitty tweet. Just like, you know, if I see something a little egregious, I will say something. No, absolutely. I hear you. But it is uh, definitely been fun to just watch you grow up. You've definitely gained a couple thousand followers over the last at least like a thousand or so recently. So well done as someone who's trying to grow uh, in the fantasy world. Uh, really impressive stuff, man, to see you to see you grow the way you have. We're going to be talking today a little bit about a couple different players. We're going to be focusing in on a couple of bullpen situations. But first, I think I'm going to ask you, what is your player evaluation process? Are you a fan graphs guy, a baseball savant, pitcher list? What is your go-to or maybe metric? What is it that you do to evaluate players? Uh, pitcher list wise, I like their podcasts a lot, like Fast and, um, you know, uh, Nick Pollock. They, they do a fantastic job with like, you know, listening to them is, I don't know, like their writing's great, but I prefer listening to them, TBH. But uh, 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 primarily fan graphs and uh, savant with stat cast data, just all of the uh, expected stats. You know, people say don't put too much worth into it. But at the end of the day, if you look year over year, you know, the uh, negative expected value or positive expected value of like, you know, the differences between like X average, X slug, whatever it may be. If you look the next year, if things kind of balance out decently, unless, you know, let's say with a player who might be just older and slower, they can't get the first base as quick. Maybe their X average isn't as honest as it should be, but primarily fan graphs, stat cast. Yeah, I, I just basically use those two as my kind of cheat codes or guides as they say and you know you have to incorporate some semblance of context with all of it say like i said with a player being older for stat cast data with younger guys maybe they have a home run problem and that's you know with xfip let's say if you're going to use that you know yeah it's uh you know they're making their home runs negligible but you can't say it's so negligible because they keep giving it up let's say like an eliezer hernandez home runs have been his issue and i i bought into him and that has not for for his sake changed. So he still sucks. And, you know, uh, I still make mistakes. Like I make mistakes every year and I still have so many I'm trying to learn from like Mitch Keller. I'm still starting Mitch Keller, even though I shouldn't be starting Mitch Keller. But here we are because he's one of my pitchers in leagues that I can't drop anyone. So uh, that's kind of just me trying to stay honest and keep myself humble. And I guess with these kinds of things and you know fan graph stack castles are my go-tos are you primarily on those or do you use like brooks baseball or what is your kind of go-to no i i mostly i like fan graphs i think fan graphs really does a good job of putting it all in one place although it does miss uh some of the stuff you'll get on pitcher list but i find i mean you can find most of the baseball savant slash stat cast stuff on fan graphs so i tend to just focus there sometimes if i want a more visual uh, view of things I will go to the savant page of like the hot cold, uh, the hot cold meters. You know what I'm talking about? The percentile rankings, the red, blue uh, balls. Yeah, that makes it way easier for I me mean, when I, you know, I, it's like what? It's like a picture book for me, basically. Yeah, exactly. Everything, everything just made so much. Like, they're pretty much just putting it right in front of you being like, you'd have to be stupid to not figure this out. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think it tells the entire picture, but if you just want to quickly evaluate a guy, see how they're doing versus how they're expected to be doing or what have you, then a quick look on baseball savant can answer a lot of questions in a short period of time, I'd say. Um, is there any other like niche kind of websites that you use or anything else, or is it just the, the main big dogs there? 
I mean, definitely. Okay. Obviously, you know, rotoballer.com's actually got some fantastic stuff. Their projections have been way more accurate than I, even I expected. And, you know, I've written for them for the past four years, but you know, they have very good systems, you know, it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing, like say fan graphs because fan graphs, I just, you know, the green and the white and the black, like the mix of, I don't know, everything just kind of like looks appealing to me so I could scroll it for hours. But uh, when it comes to rotoballer.com, like especially John Anderson's projections, like his have been fantastic like his home run calls like no bs follow john anderson on twitter um his political opinions might be a little divisive but when it comes <laughs> down to like pure baseball stuff no, no no trust me like he's got some good stuff um he's one of my favorite follows for like pure data analytics he's got a great meal back too and so that's a you know a buddy plug i guess frank amarante he's got more uh ga- he's doing more of the gambling side and he's more on uh, the game day now but you know two guys that i'd really recommend following following if you need uh baseball or i guess both do football as well frank for sure does football but yeah just uh those rotoballer.com everyone's kind of stuff is incorporated one way or another and the projection systems are very accurate i'd say yeah john john is a good follow uh i subscribe to his newsletter and i take a look in the morning and just take a look at some of the stuff he has there always really good stuff every single morning there is one i think seven days a week and then Frank Amarante, of course, the uh, fellow Torontonian. Uh, I don't actually know him, but uh, planning on getting connected with him over time here. I'm planning to meet all the all the fellow Toronto people. Uh, met a couple, couple of guys, but uh, there's, there's still a few Canadian connections that I would like to make within this industry here. Uh, you're you're Los Angeles, right? Oh yeah, I'm far from Canada. I mean, yeah. on your side especially, I'm way yeah. far from. So yeah. Why don't we start off with a Dodger question then? Uh, what is your concern level around Craig Kimbrell? Do you think that he is at risk of losing the closer job? Would you be looking to pick up somebody else in that pen? Or do you think that he will, because of reputation alone, maintain that role? Uh, he's been fine. Like, look at his, like, expected everything. He's fine. The strikeouts are there. The walks aren't that high. He's been getting really unlucky with, like, Babbitt and whatnot. So, Craig Krimper's fine. I'd be buying him if you can go get him. Obviously, Daniel Hudson's been ex- excellent as well. So, and he has five saves on the season. I mean, one of them or two of them, I believe, came with Kimbrel on the, um, paternity list. So, that doesn't really count. But for the most part, you could, I mean, given the, how good the Dodgers are, you can roster both. Like, if you're desperate for saves and Craig, Krim, Craig Krimbrell's roster, you can't trade for him. Um, I'd very much so go and pick up Daniel Hudson because his ratios are incredible. He's striking out guys. He's going to get the occasional save, maybe like one every week or so if you need that like desperation save, like in a roto league. But yeah, no, Krim, Kimbrell's fine. I'm not worried at all. Everything's normal for him. Yeah, Daniel Hudson's someone that I've, I've wrote about a little bit as someone who's really been great for your ratios to this point in the season. He's helped out a lot with whip and with ERA. I'm just pulling it up now. Um, the ERA, it's a little bit higher actually at this point, two six six. I thought it was it was a little lower before. I guess he gave up uh, an earned run or two over the weekend, but I think yeah. he's still someone who definitely will have some viability if they do give Kimbrel the odd day off. He's no spring chicken anymore, uh, Craig Kimbrel. I think he's 35 years old, so. Maybe down the stretch, they try and save him a little bit for the postseason. And Hudson, like you said, will get an opportunity to have a save or two uh, here and there. Um, Let's keep it going with another bullpen question. With the Tampa Bay Rays, Andrew Kitteridge is now done for the season. There are a lot of guys who have had opportunities in that pen. Jason Adam, uh, Ryan Thompson, a few other guys. Colin, I think it's Poche. Poche, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, to be honest. There's a lot of guys who are getting... Uh, opportunities in that pen would you take a shot on adding one of these guys or would you just try and avoid the situation altogether i mean ideally if you could you avoid it because this is just um a mess for the most part 
but I do think Jason Adams, the best of the bunch, Colin Poach, 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 whatever you call him. Um, Yeah. So he's fine. He's gotten a good, he actually was getting these saves like consecutively with Kittredge initially on IL. And then they've kind of moved away from him. His strikeout rate is relatively low His K minus walk is 13%, which is not good. It's fine. Uh, All those X stats, except XCRA are just like above four or five. Um, He's just very mediocre. Uh, kind of Brooks Raley-ish, where they're both just fine relievers, and Raley's more of a loogie. But uh, yeah, if you could add Adam, and you need a gl- if you need a guy, Adam's the guy. That's who I'd go out and get. He got the most recent save opportunity, I believe, or at least he looked the most impressive. And he has like a ton of holds too. He's like seven holds, I believe, up to this point in the season. Uh, maybe more of a fireman, but he's the best guy in that pen. He'll get you strikeouts. He'll keep the walks low, so he's not going to get too much in trouble. And hey, like he's a righty, so I guess he get that gives him somewhat of an advantage. But you know, traditionally, in the sense that righties do get the save opportunity. So if I'm looking at anyone, it's Adam. And if I'm desperate, desperate, Poach is fine, but I wouldn't be wanting to add him. Would you say Adam should be like a priority target? I know you said you're staying away uh, if possible, but with the way he's performed, would you say he should be a target in in leagues or maybe deeper leagues? What where exactly would you put him? Yeah, I mean, yeah, deeper leagues, absolutely go target him for sure because his ratios are really good too and his strikeouts are good. But when it comes down to like a 12-team league, like I was looking in, I I think it was TGFBI or some league, I forgot which one it was. I was like, do I really want Jason Adam? I probably need a starting pitcher more because I already had three closers because Tanner Hook somehow is a closer now, so that's cool. But (laughs) yeah, I, I, I wasn't making it like a priority unless you need saves. And if you do, like for sure, go at him, but... Uh, if you have closers already, you can bypass a guy like Jason Adam in a shower league. Okay, uh, fair. You are you mentioned some Red Sox, Red Sox there. Why don't we talk about yeah. them for a second? Really, another situation that's kind of a, they're in a similar spot for different reasons. Uh, and I even heard the other day I was listening to Joe Pizzapia and the Welsh. They were talking about maybe Chris Sale might get some opportunities out of that bullpen to have some saves down the line. Do you think that's possible? Do you think we're going to see a combination of like Strom, Tanner Houck? What exactly, uh, what do you see going forward there for Boston? I don't think they're going to make Sale a closer. As much as I did mention that like he should like a year ago, because, you know, obviously he got hurt again. um, But that's kind of like out the window at this point, Uh, especially with Houck perform or Houck. I don't know how you pronounce it, pronounce uh, playing the way he has. And the fact that, um, you know, Sale is, I mean, He's just too valuable. He's too expensive to just keep in the bullpen like that, at least. Like if he's a long man going three innings or if he's a opener in some way, I think that's how they'd prefer him going two to three innings facing uh, the lineup, the order once or twice, but maybe not a third time through, not because he's not capable of it because they don't want to tire him out. Um, Yeah, that's the only way. Uh, That's not the only way. That's like how I would see them utilizing sale just because, yeah, they're not going to use him one inning at a time sort of like a fireman opener role where Hook, Strom, uh, probably some combo of them are the closer where Hook's primary tie games, he's utilizing like a multi-inning role where, and then Strom might get a save, but in traditional sense, in a traditional role, it's Hook because he can't pitch a third time through the go. I let like, I don't know if you saw the tweet I sent out like a month ago where I was like, they should just let him be closer. Uh, I can't and, remember now, probably. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. So it, th- that doesn't matter. But the point is, um, Hook is very capable of closing. He has the stuff to close. He's, like he's electric, as they say, and he's getting it done. He has had two opportunities in a row where he's closed it down, 
strikeouts are good. He doesn't walk too many guys when he is going um, in short outings like that. So, yeah, I don't see why, like, you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah, uh, with Chris Sale, I think their thought process is they'll have him perform or a couple of relief appearances in the majors as opposed to minor league starts, have him actually contribute at the big league level. Uh, but that the whole closer thing, I think it's an interesting thought. But like you said, it's a lot of money to have a guy out of the pen. And he's not really a guy who can pitch consecutive days, which is something you might need out of a closer uh, in a given week. You might need them to pitch a couple of days in a row, which is definitely not something they're going to be interested in. So he'll work his way back to the rotation eventually. Uh, do you think he'll have any kind of value this season or do you think he's kind of past it at this point? Like, what's the difference with him coming back and like Griffin Jacks? Eli Morgan what's the difference at this point like guys are going to give you like four innings in a week it's the name it's the name in the track exactly yeah exactly like I guess Eli Morgan gets the cores this week but aside from that like I'd rather start Eli Morgan and trust because he's healthy and he's been very good this year I mean what have you done for me lately I mean you're not going to get two start weeks out of sale very likely I'd rather unless they give him that closer role I think if you have him and he's returning, you should sell, sell, sale. Haha, <laughs> funny, but um, that's good. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, thank you. I, I take a lot of pride in my shit jokes, <laughs> but aside from that, uh, yeah, no, very much so. Don't care. Like if you have him and you could start him, yeah, sure, he should be fine, but you're not going to get a premium asset out of sale maybe until September, which you're going to hold a guy of what, three months for that? Yeah, this is true. Speaking of possibly having to hold a guy for three months until he has any kind of value, you are a Los Angeles guy. You're probably a little bit more tuned in than I am. Walker Bueller, is he a redraft drop for you or are you keeping him if you have an IL slot? I drop him, really? even with an IL slot. Like, really? I, what, what are you going to do with Walker Bueller at this point? Like, he's going to be, he's not going to pitch for six weeks. That's, he's not going to throw. It's going to take him at least two to three weeks for rehab assignments or no that's that's to play like long toss and then um get on a mound go like 25 feet 60 feet 90 feet whatever bullpen sessions he's not gonna pitch until like late august late august september right probably yeah if he beats the timeline by a couple weeks and has some late uh, september starts maybe in the fantasy playoffs you don't see that happening. that's at best that's at best and then it's like it's even gonna be good he hasn't been good. So it's yeah. like, would you have been start like no name value? No, I mean, no name Walker Bueller. You just look at his numbers. Are you even starting this guy? Like I look at him and then I'm like, do I want to start him or like JT Brubaker? Oh man. I'm just, but seriously, like, think <laughs> about it. I mean, he's been better than JT Brubaker. I'll give him that much credit, but it's not that far off. And yeah. it's just like, and he's going to return from the injury. Oh, wow. Oh, no, no. He's prevented from throwing for six to eight weeks. Sorry. The best case, he's not going to pitch until September. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you. I think because I have a lot of shares, I'm kind of maybe hoping for validation and not having dropped him yet. No. But um, I think if you have an IL slot and there's no one else there, it doesn't hurt to just throw him in there. Right? If you need the slot later on down the season, then you might have to drop him. But obviously, if you're in like an NFBC league, would you be dropping him there? If I guess that would, you've already answered that pretty much. If you don't have an NL or an IL slot, then you're you're getting rid of him, I guess. That's um, the thing. That's the thing. If you drop him someone else picks him up, they're wasting a spot on their roster that they can use for someone else. And he's you're... Gonna... Sorry, go what? ahead. No, no, I'm just saying you're purposefully like sabotaging someone else. 
So drop him. Let him go. Let him be someone else's problem. Let him take up someone else's IL slot. He's not pitching until September, and then we don't even know if he's going to pitch well when he returns. The team, you don't even know if they're going to be in the fantasy playoffs if they have Walker Bueller because they're going to be burning an IL spot they could be using for someone else who could be helping them in a week or so. Like, that's my thought process with players like this. Like, Jesus Lazardo, Freddie Peralta, why are we holding these guys? Like they're hurt. They're, they're injuring a major part of their body that requires them to pitch unless it's like, um, an, I guess Alex Cobb, it's his neck, but if it's like a hamstring with Jake Junis or like an ankle with Anthony Desclafani, not that these guys are the same caliber as Walker Bueller or like a Peralta or a Lazardo, but the thought process is, well, it's not his arm. It's not a shoulder or whatever. So yeah, that's kind of where I go with like, we don't even know how they're going to be pitching when they return. Well, you might have some people dropping a lot of fab money on them too, just based on the name mm-hmm. value. People who don't maybe pay as much attention, they just see Walker. Not everybody is as crazy about fantasy as we are. They might just hop on the waiver wire, see Walker Bueller's there, throw a bunch of fab at him, and then feel like a total ass afterwards. That's that's completely possible. Uh, Alex Cobb, the whole Alex, Alex Cobb thing kills me, man. I've I've been waiting for the turnaround for so long. He's The expected stats are so good. The K rate is so good. Uh, for him, for for my teams, for everybody's team, I hope that he's able to come back strong. Do you think that we're going to see him out for a while with this back neck thing? My neck, my back, Alex Cobb, please come back. But like, um, <laughs> I have no idea when he's going to return. I just know that like, if he returns, I'm still going to start him. Yep. I mean, he's been awful in the set. Like his um, surface performance has been awful. But obviously, if you look at anything under the hood, Alex Cobb has been pitching incredible. Like one of the best pitchers in the MLB aside yep. from his ERA. Um, I will not give up on him until I have a reason to give up on him. Yeah, I completely understand. Uh, he's like 30% rostered on Yahoo. People, <laughs> people don't care about him anymore. Uh, That's the just... thing too. Every, like if you talk to somebody who's not like, you know, a psychopath about fantasy sports, like we are, yeah. um, they're like, why would I roster a guy with a six plus ERA? I'm like, because he's good. He's a very good pitcher. But when it comes down to it, yes, I can understand why it's frustrating because he continually has been disappointing since like last season. Yeah, it's just like you said, the expected stats. Uh, I, I have him in every league where he's available for me. He's like 20% rostered on ESPN, about 30, 32% on Yahoo. So he, if he's available, I'd say he's, he's worth throwing in there, probably ahead of Bueller. Uh, you've kind of convinced me here. I might be dropping Walker Bueller in a few spots today. Uh, maybe just one more guy we'll go over. We talked a lot about pitching, but there's one position player who kind of interests me, and that's Jesus Sanchez. Now, at the beginning of the season, we saw him performing like out of his mind. Then he was kind of a drop and everybody kind of forgot about him. But over these last couple of weeks, we've seen him kind of turn it around a little bit. Is he worth the bother for you or is he someone that you just stream in when he's hot? Uh, yeah, that's I love Jesus Sanchez in, in like the concept of Jesus Sanchez. Like he's the perfect hitter for like the modern MLB, the way he can like hit those high fastballs. Like, he's so good at that. But when it comes, you, know, you look at the Marlins, the Marlins offense is actually decent. They're like number five or six versus right-handed pitching awful versus lefties. So it's not like Jesus can really get in there because they have guys who could hit versus righties. And obviously he's a lefty. So that makes it a little difficult. Um, I think his BABIP's a little low compared to where it should be. It's like 281. I mean, he could be he could probably rough up like a 31, uh, 31%, 32% BABIP. So, uh, I mean, if you look at it, he's not going to steal the average around like maybe 240, 250. Uh, strikeout rate's still kind of high. I, I don't think you really need a Jesus Sanchez on your roster. We don't even know if he's going to play every day. He's probably he's going to be bench versus lefties. Yeah, no, you don't need a Jesus Sanchez. Yeah, I... I... 
I wish he'd get the walk rate up a little bit. It's down to 5.2% this year for the career. He's closer to about seven, but last year we saw him at eight. Uh, I, I, it'd be nice if he could do what he did last year. Strikeouts are still obviously a problem there. Uh, he's just someone who has the, the ability and he was really hyped up at the beginning of the year specifically, but he has homered four times over the last two weeks. Uh, this last week was a little bit slower than the previous one. But he's someone who I've had trouble dropping in a couple of spots just because and in deeper leagues, mind you, just because of that potential that what he can do. So I do understand, but he's always been a tough one for me. He's been a tough one this whole year to really figure out. Yeah, I I like him long term. Like I would buy in next year for sure. Like I would buy the dip. I'm assuming there's going to be a dip because people see this. They're like, eh, he's like a fringe player. No, he's very talented. He's only 24. He's on a team that doesn't really have that much talent. Like they're fine. Like they're, you know, obviously they're hitting well, like I said, but it's not like Jorge Soler is going to be there forever. Uh, Birdie, I think is a free agent soon or no, he has a ton of options actually. Oh my God. John Birdie. Uh, John Birdie has been like one of my favorite pickups. Speaking of, by the way, he's been incredible. <laughs> he's like stealing every day, yeah, but I like, uh, I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, El Garcia, I think he's a free agent. No, wow, they signed him long-term. Jesus Christ, what is their team? Their team is so weird. But uh, yeah, I'll buy I'll buy the dip on Jesus next year, but no thank you for the rest of the season, unless someone else gets injured. And Garrett Cooper is going to return soon. If you look at the team that they could have there, the lineup that potentially could exist there with Yelich and Real Budo and Stanton, uh, it's, it's tough to really figure out. And I mean, you go back even longer, and they got rid of Miguel Cabrera in his prime for for like Cameron Mabin, just a, just a bizarre, a bizarre franchise to say the least. I really don't know how to figure them out. They do have a couple of world series though, over the, over the last yeah. 20 or so years, somehow. Uh, I think actually they won in 97 and then they tried to like tear the team down and then yep. they ac- accidentally kind of ended up winning again in 03. Uh, I wish that could happen to my blue Jays. We are talking here with Kev Masarajan. He is a contributor for Roto Baller. He's also a contributor with the Game Day NFL, and he hosts the Operating Room podcast, which you guys can find wherever you get your podcasts. Kev, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. We've had a really great time. I've had a really great time. <laughs> I've had a great time as well, Joe. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, yeah, no, any, like, I wish we could do this more. It's only been half an hour. Like, I got so much more to talk about because I have a lot of uh unnecessary thoughts about fantasy baseball it's making me mad but otherwise uh everything's uh this has been a pleasure hopefully the rest of your season goes very well because obviously we're only a third of the way in we there's a whole stretch of what we've gone through already we're gonna go through twice over so however you feel about your fantasy team there's plenty of time for players to get right whether it be a pitcher struggling a hitter cold or a guy who's hot like they might cool down like you don't like i who was someone give me one guy actually before we go i don't know why i'm asking you a question yeah, who just got it. randomly hot like just randomly hot and you're just like i don't believe this whatsoever but like like uh, taylor ward i still can't believe what he did through the first third of the season taylor ward is de- are you talking about like recently or over the course of the entire season that over the course of the hot? entire over the course of the entire season thus far well Martin Perez, I know he got knocked around the other day, but even what he was able to do through his first like 11 or so starts, I found that to be remarkable. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say. Luis Arise has definitely been a huge surprise for me. I know he was going to hit for a high batting average, but he's hit some like mammoth home runs recently. I think that's probably some juicing of the baseballs when he takes Garrett Cole for like a 450 foot ride. This guy who hit two home runs last year, you got to figure there's something going on there. But uh, I mean, he, yes, but he only has three on the season. So it's not I like know. he's going crazy. <laughs> this is this is true. Uh, Tommy Edmond has been one of my favorite, uh, like post pick 100 
draft picks uh, with the steals, the home runs, the high batting average. Uh, he has been a huge surprise and a nasty nester as well. He, oh, he, again, I think he had a bit of a rough time his last time out, but still uh, over the course of the whole season, he's in that Cy Young conversation. I don't think he'll finish the season in the Cy Young conversation, but imagine if it's Martin Perez and Nestor Cortez as the two Cy Young finalists. I, do- I doubt it, but it would be hilarious if that is the case. Eh? Yeah, but that's the thing. That's like that first third. You're just like, how the heck did it's like Eric Tim's like those year a couple of years ago where he just had like 14 home runs in a month. You're just like, what the hell? Like, is Eric Tim's gonna be a league winner? And then it's like five the rest of the season or whatever. So just you know, uh, rest assured that just because you missed out on guys like this throughout the first little bit of like Marcus Simeon finally heated up. Like yeah. these things are gonna get figured out. Don't worry, you're gonna be fine. Your player like uh, Marcelo Zuna, is he a drop? No, Marcelo Zuna's fine. His like stack cast is incredible too. All of these guys that you're worried about, you're probably not going to be worried about in a month. So just anybody listening, relax. Baseball's weird. These are the ebbs and flows of the game. Don't trade Ozzy Albies just because he got hot and he had a home run. Like, he's, like he, hit, he hit like six of his home runs in a week and then stopped taking home runs. And then he's going to be on pace for what we expected in the preseason. Like these things are so like, you're just like, oh, he's cold now. No, he, he just it's you get what I'm saying, right? Oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. There's a guy in my uh, in my probably my main league that I focus on the one that I play with uh, some friends that I live in the same neighborhood as not the craziest highest stakes, but you just fight a little bit harder when you're playing with friends. I find uh, one guy traded away Boba for Jose Altuve early on in the season. He's not like a seasoned fantasy person, but we were all yeah. just like, Oh my God, come on. Like if you want to trade Bichette, this is the worst time to be doing it. We've seen, and that was maybe a month ago. He did it. He's probably sick now. I haven't seen him in a while, but he's probably sick for himself <laughs> for that kind of thing. Uh, oh, I think get... man, like literally sick. I was like, damn, I feel bad for that guy. Trying uh, to Boba might... and he's sick. Uh, he, that might've caused him to become sick. I would imagine uh, seeing how Bo has performed these last couple of weeks. Bo was like the number two overall player last year in fantasy, like for category leagues. Uh, he kind of gave up on him a little bit too early. So I would urge caution for you guys who stick around at the end of the video. If you're still here, I would urge caution for uh, getting rid of guys who are established tra- for guys who are not established. Like don't go trading. Uh, you know, high leverage arms for a Nestor Cortez or a Martin Perez. If anything, the other way around, try and see if you can recoup some value that way. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I stand on it. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up at this point. We're starting, we're at the point of the season where it's starting to become a bit of a clearer picture. Like we're at like a, the 60 game mark. There's only so long you can give somebody to really figure it out. Like if we reach another, another month or so, and those guys who haven't figured it out have still not figured it out, like a Robbie Ray type, then maybe that's when you start to to think about moving on. Yeah, there you go. That's that's pretty much it. It just, you know, when players are a little too obvious, yeah, sure, but th- those are the guys who, the Nestor Cortez is the Martin Perez, is just like, they're not going to be sub two ERA or whatever. And then the other guys who just name value, name value figures it out more often than not. It's just the safest bet you can make. And yeah, no, Joe, it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been great, man. You guys can find Kev on Twitter at Rotosurgeon. He is, of course, a contributor for Rotoballer and the Game Day NFL. And you want to go check out his fantastic podcast, The Operating Room. And we actually had a guest in common. We both had Michael Govier on recently. So there you maybe, go. maybe you hop on Palazzo Podcast soon and we complete the, uh, the trio of shows. Guys, thank you so much for being here with us. We'll see you again tomorrow for another edition. Cheers, everybody.